0: And welcome for episode number two of the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. I'm Cody Fields, the owner, president, whatever you want to call me, of Noseminster LLC, which features the brands of Westminster Effects, obviously, as well as Nose Pedal and Native Pedal Company here in Greenville, South Carolina. In the studio, or our church's second building, with me is Bradley Cox, the lead pastor of Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. Oh, I was waiting on you to say hi. Sorry. Oh, hey, everybody. <laughs> Sorry about
1: that. Sorry about that.
0: And joining us via the internet is John Ross, the grumpy Lutheran guitarist from Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> hey, everybody. So, this week, uh, we're getting a little more into actual subject material. We wanted to tee up uh, where we're coming from for every episode, is, is our goal. And that is the concept of sola scriptura. Uh, the, the concept that Scripture alone is the, is the sole infallible rule of faith and practice in the life of the Christian believer. If we do anything, if we say anything, our, our hope and our goal is to root that in what God has revealed about himself. Uh, and to root that actually in Scripture, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to say, hey, we're all about Scripture, and then not reference any directly. Uh, the most obvious one, 2 Timothy 3, all Scripture— And Andy Stanley, I hope you're listening. All Scripture. (laughs) 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 I wondered if that name was going to come up today or not. All Scripture. Yeah, Mm. all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. For what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Not just some of them, but literally every good work. So, fellas, what does that say to you? What kind of hope does that give you? How does that frame, frame how you live your life?
1: Well, as you were reading that, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about Jesus himself, um, that the man of God would be equipped for every good work. And um, we know from the incarnation that Christ fully took on humanity without compromising his deity. And it's just always fascinated me how everything that Jesus did was rooted in and flowing from scripture uh everything from you know his temptation in the wilderness uh when you know at jesus's baptism he heard the father say you are my son and then as he is led by the spirit in the wilderness satan's first temptation is if you are the son of god and his response was it is written man shall not live by bread alone and then his darkest hour on the cross, he's quoting the Psalms, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And 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 that that says that should say a lot to us. Um, that Jesus rooted his thinking, he rooted his actions, uh, his life on earth in scripture. And <laughs> the road to Emmaus. Um, his identity was hidden from those two guys and w- but when they started to tell him about their consternation over the events of the crucifixion and what have you he took them on a bible study took them through the prophets and the law and showed them how all those things pointed to him um it's just it, it it should be it should be a sobering but also an invigorating uh, challenge to us to see that that's what Christ did. So if if we're going to be equipped for every good work, um, we have to be rooted in Scripture.
0: I do like that you said sobering and and, and invigorating. Uh, we know Jesus lived his life rooted in Scripture, but every time you referenced God's being minus the baptism was was basically a deep dark time. In the life of Jesus, That's whether true. temptation, being brutally murdered, or post-resurrection, that was kind of a time of vast confusion and darkness for for the disciples. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what just happened. They're still trying mm-hmm. to process everything. Yeah. So it's, you know, we often run to Scripture after something bad has happened instead of fueling ourselves in what God has mm-hmm. said for when those things inevitably come. Because they will.
1: Yeah. Proactively, yeah. even his conflicts with the Pharisees and religious leaders. Over and over again, he would ask them, "Have you not read?" Um, and I mean, I guess there there's a conversation there with you know folks who knew the scripture, but yet they weren't they they weren't seeing God the right way. They they might have processed the information, but they there it wasn't overflowing into their life to seeing what God you know, was, was currently doing through Christ. But he would say to them all the time, have you not read, have you not read, have you not read almost every question they raised, Mm -hmm. he responded that way. Well, so much back then was,
2: uh, was focused on the keeping of the Torah. And when your focus is on what you're doing, you'll end up missing quite a good bit of what God has done is doing and continues to do. You think about the uh, the old Sunday school song, uh, the foolish man built his house upon the sand, right? And then there was the wise man who built his house upon the rock. If we only turn to scripture and God's word for, for comfort, if we only do that for comfort in times of of trial and, and temptation and, and affliction, we're attempting to shore up a foundation that, that may very well be on, built on shifting sand. But the concept of being proactive of of having that that healthy faith life that's rooted in Scripture allows us to build upon that rock, and that way we don't have to turn to Scripture uh, as second, kind of as 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 second or third nature when there's there's an issue. For we know that when something happens, we know why, and that's because so that God may be glorified through it, because we've been built on that foundation to expect that, because that's how God has taught us through Scripture. That he operates, and coming from that that foundation and that perspective, um, I I think is is vitally important not only in in worship, which obviously is is kind of the specific uh, path we're going down, but in daily life, is that as Christians we must hold firm to Christ, who is revealed solely through Scripture.
0: And th- those are those are great points where. I actually had this question written for probably what would would have been toward the end, but that just shows how awesome I am at planning, <laughs> I guess, or terrible one or the other, uh, is you often hear, whether it's from musicians specifically, since that's kind of our demographic or people in general, well, I want something practical. Bradley, why can't you preach more practically mm-hmm. <laughs> where, where it seems if we're, if we're digging into scripture it's it's that head and heart are both engaged and that necessarily has practical implications when your affections are stirred for the things god loves is that not right
1: yep yep totally totally i I think you know that desire for practicality um a lot of times and don't want to you know disparage people too much but Uh, Because I think sometimes people with, you know, good intentions just have the wrong ideas, I guess. Sure. um, I I do have compassion for that. Um, But the Bible's, and it's been said, um, it's not about us.
0: The Bible's not about you. Uh, What you'll do is you'll keep, now let me, here's what you, you'll keep infusing yourself into the stories of the Bible like you're the hero. And This happens all the time. All right, so I I mean, I want to be straight. I love you enough to be straight. You're not David.
1: Um, It's that desire for practicality, I think, sometimes is fueled by I want God to fix my life in the way that I think it needs to be fixed. And I want him to satisfy me with his provision rather than just satisfy me with himself. Um, and it seeing God rightly and beholding his beauty and worth is practical mm-hmm. because it changes the way I determine what is practical. It changes the it changes my desires and what I want. Um, you know, James comes along in James four and he says, why do quarrels and conflicts happen among you? Is it not your desires run amuck? Basically, that's what he says. You 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 ask wrongly. You want wrongly and so the transformation of my desires has a direct impact in every practical way, um, every practical area of my life, when I realize that that's ultimately what the Bible's about. Well, that's a wrap. There. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: I was waiting on this door to
2: close <laughs>
0: before I said anything. Um,
2: Cody, I, I, I just want to know, when we exchanged our knowing glance uh, a, a few moments ago, uh, pretty sure we were thinking of the same thing, yeah? I don't know, you tell me. A a certain uh, fellow John Piper fanatic from uh, from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you... If you want to go back and post and just throw in the you're not David clip <laughs> I might, for about
2: I 10
1: might seconds. To. I was thinking <laughs> I about reckon. it too. That's why I kind of tried to acknowledge that it was, <laughs> I, that's almost a cliche now because of that sermon. It was fa- fantastic uh, the way he did that. But did you guys see the, I, this has popped up in my Facebook feed, but this guy that is doing these kind of video logs or whatever about the greatest sermons of all time uh and why they're so great yeah have you seen that john i have not well he 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 does the matt chandler sermon like he'll he'll break them down and talk about why they're so amazing Mm. uh what made them so great and that was one it was pretty interesting
0: so speaking of guys like matt chandler and you're not david and uh, guys like Tim Challey's breaking down these, these great sermons. A lot of these, these sermons uh, were rooted in the fact that there was some kind of disagreement at the root of them. So what do we do with, with disagreements? In, in the worship world, a lot of times, and this isn't to uh, disparage anybody, it's, it's, well, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to screw up our unity. Uh, <laughs> all while not recognizing that you one have to be united around something. Like if if it's just this nebulous blob, that's not really unity. Uh, you know, a puddle of water. If it's if it's not contained by a pothole, is just going to spread out over the road and not going to amount to much. Um, same. And that was just an analogy I came up on the fly. So do with that what you will. Um, I like what. The 1689 uh, London Baptist Confession says it says the supreme judge for deciding all religious controversies and for evaluating all decrees of councils, opinions of ancient writers, human teachings and individual interpretations. So literally anything anybody ever (laughs) has said about anything theological and in whose judgment we are to rest is nothing but the Holy Scripture delivered by the Spirit. In this Scripture, our faith finds its final word. So when when somebody comes up to either of you, I guess we can start with John because I think we started with Bradley last time. Um, if somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I don't know about that. Or maybe they're angrier than that. Maybe they're saying you're dead wrong and you may or may not be going to hell for this. How do you address that? Other than you're a moron, shut up. Well, <laughs> we're trying. We're trying to be like Jesus. He only did that sometimes.
2: Well, as a confessional Lutheran, I don't actually have any firsthand experience for someone telling me I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Got him, <laughs> zing. I mean, this kind of gets into interpersonal dynamics uh, a little bit too. But understanding, first off. Uh, disagreements, especially things uh, concerning the church, whether it be uh, worship, doctrine, practice, so on and so forth, uh, really often come down to a discrepancy in understanding and foundation, is where are you coming from uh, emotionally, uh, cognitively, historically that that this leads you to believe that whatever it is 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 wrong, heretical, damnable. I mean go up degrees of magnitude there. And once we have an understanding of of where our foundations differ, well then it's a, a conversation on on that rather than the issue at hand. Because so often the issue at hand really isn't isn't a big deal. It's why that's an issue in the first place, whether it's an issue that I've taken with somebody, uh, which that I have done many times and often put in my place, uh, because I let my own desires uh, kind of navigate uh, my actions and, and, and my thoughts and my judgments, um, whereas what we should be doing and what we're called to do is to focus on Christ. Him crucified and resurrected, and how that has been told to us. Because once we have that, everything else is kind of trivial. But approaching conflict and disagreements with an understanding. And, I, and, and Cody, I, I think this is, is really the foundation to some of these arguments we get in on, on, on the Facebook uh, with, uh, with fellow worship musicians and, and worship leaders across uh, across the world, on, on different songs, which I'm sure we can all think of. I don't know if we want to jump into those right away, but we could. Um, we'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to a specific I example bet we in will. another episode. Um, <laughs> but when we're, if we're... Let's just say we're talking about a song, and the song says one thing that implies something about who God is or how he works or what he has done. This happens all the time, and the arguments that happen are just nasty, absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, because it's Facebook, either the comments get shut down or, um, you know, someone just runs away or, or just people end up getting really ticked off. Uh, but we're Or they ne- get a
0: banhammer. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: though, though, in fairness, some people have asked for that. So yes, we're we're not we're not saying that there's never a time to shut down comments or or shut down the discussion because it's not being fruitful. It's it's that, hey, let's have this discussion. Let's hammer these things out. Let's you know, let's let's beat our heads against what God has said.
2: And here's the here's the hard part with with Internet arg with any Internet argument is once you it really gets heated to the point that you really realize that, wow, there's a fundamental difference in. In our worldview and now i'm all, all i 'm going to do is post gifs <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, then, and but but then it, then it gets shut down or or it just the comments get just derailed or or something like that, and we never get to the core of the issue. We never understand that that why this this guy who's been uh you know doing music out in california for for the last twenty years is so. Uh, dedicated to this song is awesome what it says is, is true and it, it, it hits me uh, in, in a profound way I'm like okay I, I acknowledge that it affects you but we never get to the why and so it leaves guys like us who really depend on that why knowing the importance of a strong foundation a strong structural foundation it leaves us wanting and, and really kind of despondent because we realize well what the heck I mean, I'm sorry we got in into a, into a slapping match, but but let's figure out why. And and of course, then you know, once once it gets to that point, they'll probably rarely reply to messages. I mean, we're kind of getting into the Facebook dynamics a little bit too, but <laughs> uh, but a lot of the discussions, that's where it happens, right? And I think it's indicative of of really a big problem. Is for Pete's sake, we're worshiping. And serving the the very same God, but have vastly different understandings of who He is and how He operates, and that's scary. That is really scary. I mean, especially with, I mean, Bradley, you you recently mentioned these. I think it might have been in the last episode. These these awesome songs coming out of Elevation and in, in, in Bethel, uh, Hillsong, uh, Vertical Church. I mean, just keep it going. For every eight that are Wow, really solid. There, there may be one or two that that require more discussion, and it's difficult to have that discussion without people getting emotionally hurt. And and it's it's really a sad thing that we have to have that discussion at all because it's it's right there, in black and white. Sometimes red. That it's right there. The truth. <laughs> you made a Bible that, joke you know, about red letters. I, I did. <laughs> I, and immediately in my head sorry this is shutting me up on my on my little uh gravy train discourse there immediately in my head red letters by dc talk started playing
1: yeah yeah oh yeah that's
0: great yeah so bradley how as a pastor of a church who also leads worship i guess about half the time here um maybe a little less these days um how how important is it to you that that the songs we sing are backed up by scripture they're they're accurate in what they say about God, and then on top of that, what do you do when somebody says, "Hey, I really love this song, and we're not going to get into super specifics right now, um uh, but hey, I love this song, and I think we should play it and then uh a line or two or maybe an entire verse or an entire chorus, or maybe even the the whole dang song mm-hmm. is just out there
1: it's it's a difficult line to draw, isn't it? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the conflict uh, that you guys have experienced, you know, in Facebook groups and what have you over this kind of thing. I, I wonder if it's not because we're they're, they're, we're just not accustomed to there being tension in worship. And I think there, uh, the, the older I get, the more I think there should be tension. Um, and and let me explain what I mean by that. Um, the Bible is a ten. You know, when a figure skater skates out, and I don't watch figure skating, by the way, but when a figure skater, <laughs> we, we
0: for the record, we would judge you a little bit for that. Yeah, I'd have
1: to turn in my man card. But <laughs> it, it, when he or she skates out onto the ice, they don't start from zero and work their way up to a score. They start with a ten and deductions are made as their the imperfections of their performance come to bear. And the same is true with worship, music, and preaching. The Bible's a 10, and when I start to teach, deductions are made because I'm imperfect. Now, I do believe that the Holy Spirit shows up in a unique way in the moment of preaching, and even with my flaws, as, as doesn't recuse me of... Careful attention to the text and diligent effort to speak well of the text, what it's saying, why is it being said, and what do I do with that that that's absolutely important, and anybody who preaches uh, should feel that tension is that i'm an imperfect person about to stand up and talk about the infallible Word of God to people and help them understand it, and the same thing happens with a worship song is that it's it's an imperfect, no matter how you slice it, you know, other than song lyrics directly quoting Scripture, it's not inspired words. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it can be great music, and it can be thought well about if the individual and or the corporate thinking is rooted in Scripture, There are songs that I think have questionable lyrics, but I think I can sing some of those songs in faith with biblically-rooted thinking as I sing. Right. Now, the question is, am I, as a worship leader, leading in such a way? Am I, as a pastor, teaching and discipling in such a way that I'm confident the people I lead can sing this song with biblically rooted thinking and emotion. If that's the case, we should see worship as a discipleship opportunity, not just a, a musical performance that takes place in the service. We, I, th- I think in the last podcast, John, you, you said, if your church has a hymn book, pick it up and read it. And I say, amen and amen to that. Because we are discipling when we worship. Fundamentally, that's what we, we, how we should think about it, and that, at least, I, I would maybe argue all discipleship. But at the very least, the discipleship we do in worship is a mixture of thinking and feeling, and both are important, and both need to be rooted in Scripture. Mm. And I think until, I I, th- I, I get maybe what I'm saying is I'm advocating that we welcome the tension that's going to come with imperfect vessels and imperfect songs declaring the infallible Word of God. You know, there's going to be tension there, and there needs to be discussion, and there needs to be wrestling, and we need to be able to do that in a fruitful way, not in a, um, you know, unfruitful way. Oh, definitely.
0: Right on. Right on. So so what do you guys do? I know we've got a couple of different backgrounds here. Uh, what are some, maybe give an example or what generally happens in your world, whether it's, whether it's some kind of fresh revelation that seems kind of like, wait, what? Where it just doesn't line up with anything, or maybe we get hung up on traditionalism. Uh, maybe give an example if, you're, if, if you want. Um, or typically, how do you deal with that where someone has basically rejected... I guess you could say the sufficiency of scripture. Hmm. They're not saying hmm. it doesn't have any authority, but they're I'm saying, sure. Hey, we need, we need something more.
2: Hmm. Go ahead, John. God, it breaks my heart to hear stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because what can we taking an artist mindset, right? I you mean, know, I'm a songwriter. Um, I've, I've written my own stuff. I've rearranged, you know, like the Venite from the order of Matins, uh, and and you know stuff like that. So I've kind of gone, gone back and forth. And one of the things that I struggle with is, as an artist myself, what can I add? And so come, so having that perspective when someone else says, "Well, the the language used in Scripture just isn't, just isn't hitting at home for me," you know, it's not pulling at my heartstrings. We got to use you know these few, you know the, these certain words, uh, that I don't know may or may or may not be uh good <laughs> uh so there's this concept um that was really popular well not popular it, it was discussed heavily in the early church and it's it's uh, two latin phrases uh, one is a, a juxtaposition of the other lex credendi lex orandi and lex orandi lex credendi it explores the perspective at which you approach uh, all things done in worship. Now, that's not just music, um, but it's most commonly applied there. Uh, also, creedal statements, uh, prayers, etc. Uh, and that is: Do you come from a place of your belief influences your practice, or does your practice influence your belief? And I think a good many people would say, "Oh, my, my belief influences my practice." But here's the, here's the issue when we start uh, kind of. Going outside the box of biblical revelation and start saying, "Well, I think I could describe the prodigal son using a different word. I think I could do that." And so they do. And no matter, but no matter how many times you explain it, that oh, this is this is really what I meant. If someone doesn't hear that explanation, and, and Bradley kind of going back to what you were getting at is is being able to sing these songs from a healthy, scripturally based uh, standpoint. Uh, is, is one thing, but what about the people who are hearing them on the radio or a visitor to one of our churches and then sings these songs without that foundation? They may hear a word or a phrase or some sort of allegory, um, none of which by, just by virtue of their own is, is bad, uh, but they could hear it and apply it wrongfully. Uh, and and that in and of itself could shape their entire perspective on on how they on how they they view things. Um, Cody, you mentioned traditionalism, and I I think there is a, a a spectrum here, and and one of the and right in the middle of the of the spectrum is um, sola scriptura, biblical foundation. That's where it's at right this is our sole point of authority we can go to one extreme of the spectrum and be like well i'm going to embellish it i'm going to embellish it with uh with words and phrases that that maybe means something uh different now than they did then or you know meant something different then than it does now the other side of the spectrum is to do absolutely none of that and limit scripture to the point where you only reveal what's, what type of scripture uh, or, or or what scriptural references or, or practice that your formal worship pattern and faith pattern allows. And so from one end, you have extreme flexibility that can hinder and harm the life of a Christian by introducing so much ambiguity. And then on the other side, you've got this structure that, in and of itself it's not bad, but if the structure is emphasized over the scripture, then we're teaching right in ritual and not teaching christ you know um just there as we on go. the other just as on the other extreme, we're teaching emotional engagement and and calling mm-hmm. um calling for a response when all the time between these two extremes is right in the middle. All the time there is Christ mm-hmm. and the Spirit working through us to influence our responses because of the gospel and in the light of the gospel. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'll edit a good chunk of that out. But
1: <laughs> I, And I know we're out of time, but um, it, it's why I said earlier, I think there is a line that needs to be drawn that we have to... We have to have more conversation. We have to have ongoing conversation to be able to determine that line because it, it is a matter of discernment. Um, what you said is true, John. It's possible for me to sing a song with biblically rooted thinking alongside someone who doesn't have that um, that kind of rooted thinking and maybe get wrong ideas or have wrong feelings. But that's why you know worship is not or the singing portion of what we do when we gather is not an end unto itself it's got to be coupled Hmm. with conversation it's got you know one of the things cody has done here at our church is implementing the reading of scripture in the middle of our worship set in an effort to root people's thinking in scripture as we sing what we're about to sing
0: and we're about to start doing imprecatory Psalms, right
1: Yes, absolutely. We're going to throw those in, yeah. but I, th- I think you. I think we have to. There's work to be done. There's conversation to be mm-hmm. had, and I. And I think one of the things that I think we talked about before we started recording was just the, the thought, the epidemic of thoughtlessness in the modern worship culture. It, that I think we're, we're, we're sort of accustomed to just looking for songs that sound great feel great, without really thinking about what are these songs saying, and how are we rooting that in Scripture? Are we going to think and feel rightly when we sing this song and when we lead others to do it? That's that's something we need to grow in.
0: Awesome. Well, I guess that'll about do it for this week. Uh, Book recommendations pertaining to Sola Scriptura or things of that nature. What you got, Bradley?
1: Uh, Well, it feels a little weird, if I'm honest, on the Sola Scriptura episode to recommend <laughs> something other the than thing. the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I would first say, read the Bible. Uh, but it, a book that I think it provokes in me a desire to read scripture more, one of the the many, and, and that's why I'm recommending this book, is a book that's written by my good friend and mentor, Brian Onkin. It's called More Than His God Card. And it is about... Uh, the miracles of Jesus and how they are not merely episodes in scripture where Jesus was flashing his God card where he was only simply trying to let people know hey I'm Mm. I'm the son of God no there are things that he's teaching us about himself in the way he does these miracles and so it's a book that I think provokes a desire to not come to the scripture with the um, well I already know that You know, the heading in my Bible says, Jesus healed a leper, so that must be all I need to know. No, there there are things to learn about Christ in the Scripture in the way that he healed the leper and how he did that. And so it's a fantastic book, um, More Than His God Card by Brian Onkin. You can find it on ChristianBook.com. It's a really great price. Uh, Check it out.
2: What you got, John? Well, for this week, I have got... a book written by, well, a group of people, right? Uh, edited by Paul Basden. Uh, it's a book published by Zondervan Press called Exploring the Worship Spectrum. Uh, it takes six views, very differing views, on what worship is and how it's to be practiced. And, and it presents those in, in each of six sections. And in each section, uh, the other writers have the opportunity to respond to uh, the view, the point on the spectrum uh, that, was, that was just presented. So the six perspectives that are presented in this particular book are formal liturgical, traditional, uh, which is uh, very uh, hymn-led, choir-led, uh, contemporary, uh, charismatic, blended, and emerging. Uh, so underneath these different headings, Uh, Each one is written by a different author, uh, and it gives a very condensed uh, but accurate view of where these different uh, traditions and perspectives on worship come from and how they view others. Uh, While it's not the primary point or focus of the book, the primacy of Scripture undergirds all of it, and it's very, very interesting to see how different traditions regard the same scripture. So, once again, Exploring the Worship Spectrum edited by Paul Basden available uh through Zondervan Press.
0: Very cool. And for the second straight week before I take a break with this guy, I will uh once again recommend a John Piper book. I told you <laughs> I am a fanboy. Uh, but this one is A Peculiar Glory, mm-hmm. uh, which is about how Scripture authenticates itself and reveals mm. God's glory accurately and truthfully. Uh, one, one line that, that just stuck with me, it's in the first couple of pages, really, uh, where Piper was talking about how he thought that he was holding on to this view that Scripture is authoritative and infallible and perfect— and then as he's gotten older, he realized that, well, really, it was that view that was holding on to him. It wasn't it wasn't him putting forth the effort. It. It's almost like Grace alone over and over again <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Right. So, well, I guess that uh, wraps up this week's episode of the Westminster Effects Doxology podcast. Since I didn't shamelessly self-promote last week, this week, I will tell you to go to WestminsterEffects.com and Buy all my stuff like John did. Uh, Bradley doesn't really have any use for it hey, since I don't have know. I don't
2: have all of it,
0: not all of it. Brad- Bradley plays acoustic, Almost. so he doesn't know what to do with the pedal. I threw a chick delay on our acoustic <laughs> board here at the church, and he's like, "Well, I, like I guess it, it sounds. good. I like good. it. Yeah, I, like good. It. I used it Sunday <laughs> without you here. Oh man, that's amazing. That's a that's a step forward. Uh, so you can get obviously the more proper theological themed effects side with Westminster or mods and utility with nose or now budget boutique with native so WestminsterEffects.com, and as always we will leave you with a track from a Westminster artist this is Shazad Banji all the way from Cotter I don't even know her uh with his track till we meet again you can find that on SoundCloud
2: have a good one everybody